Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The Peter Schiff Show. I'm still here in Las Vegas at Freedom Fest, but I wanted to take some time out to come up to my hotel room here and record a short podcast. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to wait until Tuesday. And there's been a lot of stuff that's happened over the last few days, so I definitely wanted to uh, record something. Uh, and also, I'm just doing this on my laptop. I don't have my headset. I actually forgot that thing in Puerto Rico, so the quality may not be uh, up to snuff. But I figured I would uh, talk a little bit about what's been going on in the markets. You know, really, the stock markets, not much action. I mean, all the major markets finished the day and the week lower. Uh, bond prices a bit higher. The real action, though, was in the metals markets. And you wouldn't simply know it to look at the price of gold which was only up about maybe a dollar or two on the week. Although we did have a big $20 rise yesterday, followed by a $20 drop today. And I'll get into why that happened in a minute. But the real action was in silver, which finished the week better than up 90 cents, I believe. So uh, a very strong week for silver. Even on days when gold was down, silver was up. And in fact, even this morning, silver was up for a while while gold was down. And my last podcast, I titled it, uh, was Silver Joining the Gold Party. And as of now, it really looks like the answer to that question is yes. We've seen a lot of strength in silver. In fact, we had the biggest two-day gain, I think, going back several years in the price of silver. And in fact, the big jump that we had yesterday really was set into motion by some Fed comments, although that probably was just a catalyst. We probably would have moved up anyway. But in particular, we had uh, Clarita came out and he said that the Fed should not wait for the data to turn before cutting rates, meaning that, look, we should cut rates anyway, even if we don't get negative data, even if it doesn't look like the economy is going into recession, we should just preemptively cut rates. And um, why is that? I mean, the Fed kept telling us they were data dependent. If they're going to cut rates regardless of the data, then what's all the, uh, the, you know, the talk about data dependency? But why is the Fed so anxious to just cut rates now? 
And in fact, I think Williams uh, summed it up even better. He said that, you know, the Fed should not keep a lot of dry powder, that at the first sign of trouble or even before you see a sign of trouble, you should just fire your bullets, right? Go big or go home. And in fact, after uh, Williams made his comments, the odds of a 50 basis point cut in July coming up right next week, the odds of a 50 basis point cut jumped up to like 70 percent. And that really lit a fire. That's why gold rallied over 20 bucks. Silver was up like 40 cents. But why would William say that? You know, and obviously the reason is the Fed is so afraid of the next recession that they just want to do whatever they can to try to postpone that recession from happening. It's not like they can stop it, but they want to postpone it. And the reason is because the Fed knows that there's nothing they can do that they basically, the chamber is empty anyway. So you might as well shoot what you've got left because there's no way they have enough firepower to deal with this recession the way they have been doing it. They can't blow up a bigger bubble. They don't have enough room between where rates are now and zero. And the amount of quantitative easing that would be required to monetize the enormity of the coming national debt is going to produce an overdose. So all these clowns can think of is we got to postpone this no matter what. They can't prevent it. They just want to delay that day of reckoning. But again, everything that they do to delay the day of reckoning simply makes it worse. It simply means that the problems that we're going to ultimately have to reckon with are going to be that much greater. Because if the recession is when the mistakes of the boom are corrected, why should we postpone that day? The sooner we could correct these mistakes, the better. And if the boom continues, that simply means the mistakes continue. And that's what's going to happen. That's what these guys are trying to do. So when those statements were made, that really put a bid in gold and silver, the dollar sold off. But then after the market closed, uh, Williams walked back his statement and he basically came out and said, well, what I was talking about doesn't necessarily mean that we were gonna, we were gonna do anything about that in, in, in July, right? Like, because as soon as the markets all of a sudden believed we were gonna get 50, the Fed wanted to walk that back because the Fed didn't want to surprise the markets by only doing 25. So it wanted to quickly, you know, basically do some damage control. And so it still looks like it's going to be 25. And most of the odds of 50 have now been priced out of the market, which is one of the reasons that the price of gold uh, surrendered pretty much all of its gains from yesterday. But one of the reasons that it did, because you know, in the morning, gold wasn't down quite that much, even though uh, the Fed had already walked back those statements. But what happened was we got the consumer sentiment index for July and the headline number didn't really mean much. I mean, it was 98.4, a little light uh, of the 98.6 that they were looking for, but it was a slight improvement over the 98.2 that was being expected. But what moved the markets, I think, was the consumer expectation of inflation going forward. Uh, it was the highest expectation of inflation in three years. And I think it was consumers expecting more inflation that really caused a bigger sell-off in gold and a rally in the dollar. Again, this is the same old brainless trade that everybody is making. Oh, more inflation is good for the dollar. More inflation is bad for gold. And again, why are traders jumping to this conclusion? It's because they believe the Fed is going to adjust their policy. If there's more inflation, well, maybe the Fed isn't going to cut rates as much, or maybe the Fed is going to hike rates. When are the traders going to figure out that it doesn't matter 
how much inflation there is. I mean, the consumer is right, right, to expect more inflation. In fact, we're going to get a lot more inflation than the consumers expect. But the traders are wrong to expect the Fed to do anything about it. They're not going to do anything about it. The Fed is going to cut rates no matter how high inflation goes because they can't stop it because if they raise rates, they're going to create in in their mind a problem that is worse than inflation. So they would rather have inflation than the opposite or what would be required to stop the inflation, which would be a massive financial crisis because they'd have to raise interest rates and let this entire house of cards economy that they built on a foundation of cheap money watch the entire thing implode. So when traders figure out that the Fed's not going to fight inflation, that inflation is going to win this battle because the Fed is not even going to fight, it's just going to surrender, higher inflation is not going to be seen as bad for gold. In fact, higher inflation is why people should be buying gold. The more inflation, the more gold you need to buy. So ultimately, higher inflation numbers, higher inflation expectations are going to be bought when it comes to gold, not sold. The opposite with the dollar. People only think that higher inflation is good for the dollar because they think it will motivate the Fed to defend the dollar by raising rates. But when people realize that the dollar is defenseless, that there will be no rate hikes, then people will respond the way they should to higher inflation. Higher inflation means the dollar is losing value. And if the dollar is losing value, you want to get rid of dollars before it loses even more value. Uh, But the markets haven't figured this out yet. But I think there is some signs that this is happening. I mean, look at the huge move up we had this week in mining stocks. I mean, silver stocks, of course, saw the show. Huge move up in silver stocks. But gold stocks, too. In fact, yesterday, we had very big gains in gold and silver stocks. In fact, the GDXJ, just junior mining index, was up about 6% yesterday on a $20 move up in gold. But on today's move down in gold by 20 bucks, it only lost 1% of its value. Same thing in the GDX, just under 1%. This is a really good sign because when we were in the bear market, whenever gold went up and down by the same amount, gold stocks would always lose much more on the downside than they gained on the upside. This is not happening. We're finally seeing the stocks outperforming the metal, especially on uh, on the, the down days where people are still buying gold and silver stocks, even though gold is going down. That's an indication that now the psychology has turned that people expect gold to go up. They don't expect it to go down. They are buying the dip. So now we have all the elements that we need of a gold bull market. Because before, the problem was gold was going up, but no one believed it. That's why silver was still going down. That's why nobody was buying gold stocks, because everybody expected gold to fall. People were just so conditioned to believe that the rallies would be sold that they they couldn't believe the breakout. So there was a lot of skepticism. We were climbing this little wall of worry. But now we're breaking down that wall. Now we have silver outperforming gold, and we have gold stocks outperforming the metal. That's what happens in every bull market. Silver leads gold, and the stocks lead the metal. That's what we've got. All three, firing on all three cylinders. That's it. The market is going higher. People need to get in. They need to buy physical gold and silver. They need to buy these mining stocks. They need to get into my gold fund, the Euro Pacific Gold Fund. Uh, And this is a big turn. It's not just the mining stocks. And of course, mining stocks, if you go back over the last 10 months since the beginning of the uh, third quarter, fourth quarter of last year, the performance on gold stocks is 10x the performance on the S&P 500, 10 times the gains. And this party is just getting started. In fact, I think the 
best performing stocks of the Trump term. And again, I only think he's going to have one most likely, but the best performing stocks are going to be the gold stocks. Um, and you know, the, the overall market may end up being lower by the time Trump leaves office, which means obviously we have a long way to go on the downside. But even if it's not, even if the Fed prints enough money to prevent that from happening, which is a bad thing, all that's going to do is send gold stocks even higher. So uh, if the U.S. market doesn't go down, that it might, may mean that gold stocks go up even more because it meant the Fed had to print even more money to prevent U.S. stocks from going down. But I want to talk a little bit, you know, finish up the podcast about my observations of what's going on here at Freedom Fest. And it really, they might as well just call it Trump Fest because that's what it is. It's a giant love fest uh, about Donald Trump. I mean, the Republicans have completely drunk the Kool-Aid. Even the Libertarian Republicans are just all in on Trump. I mean, guys like Stephen Moore and Herman Cain and John Fund and Wayne Allen Root. I mean, Trump, 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 Trump. It's like everybody's auditioning for a job in the Trump administration. And, you know, this is much worse than it was during the Bush administration. I mean, everybody was happy about Bush because, you know, we didn't have Clinton anymore and people were excited about the bubble that we had. And, of course, it ended uh, with the financial crisis of 2008. And because Bush did not level with the public, when he came into office, he inherited the bubble, the Nasdaq bubble from Clinton, and it popped on his watch. And instead of admitting we had a problem, he worked with the Fed to reflate a bigger bubble. And then he took credit for the phony economy, and it came back and bit him when it burst before the end of the election, and it backfired on the country because it meant that John McCain had no chance. Uh, not that I was a big McCain fan, but I would have preferred McCain uh, to uh, Obama, but we got Obama because uh, Bush embraced a bubble that he inherited from a prior Democrat. And then when it popped, he and capitalism took the brain. Well, Trump made a bigger mistake. The bubble he inherited from Obama dwarfs the one that Bush inherited from Clinton. And again, he made the same mistake. Instead of leveling with the public like he did as a candidate, he then uh, claimed credit for the bubble, labeled it with a big T on it, and, and, and keeps tweeting every day about how great the economy is and how great the stock market is. And when this thing pops, we're going to get somebody much, much worse. If you thought Barack Obama was bad, wait till you see how bad uh, the, the guy or, or gal is that's going to follow uh, uh, Trump. Because he's going to make Obama look great by comparison because that's how bad this person is going to be. So I don't know why these Republicans are all so excited about what's happening because they are clueless. They have absolutely no idea how bad this is going to be. I mean, they're full of all this nonsense. You know, I was talking to Wayne Allen Root. My son Spencer is here. A lot of you are now following Spencer on, uh, on Twitter. But Spencer's here, and we were talking to Wayne Allen Root. And he was going off about how great the economy was and how we got millions and millions of jobs, and it's crazy. We're creating more jobs than ever. And my son said, Wayne, wait a minute. I mean, what, what, what statistics, what actual proof do you have of, of, of all these jobs? And he really couldn't answer the question. And then my son showed him some statistics. And basically, this shows that job creation under Trump is actually slower, slower than it was under uh, under Obama. And basically, Wayne was like, oh, I, I guess I'm wrong then. But of course, he hasn't adjusted any of his uh, pro-Trump rhetoric. And in fact, the other thing he was telling my son, I said, well, it's great for me. I'm making more money than ever under Trump, which is true, because now he's got a business touting Trump. And so it's been very lucrative for him. But that doesn't mean it's lucrative for everybody else just because he's making money off the Trump presidency. I know Trump likes to keep talking about how well blacks are doing, right? That the black unemployment rate is the lowest it's ever been. Well, I just read this article on Zero Hedge today that shows that black homeownership 
is at an all-time record low. So if all these blacks are doing so great and they have all these jobs, why are none of them buying homes? I mean, even with near record low interest rates or record low mortgage rates and all sorts of government help, right, with subsidies and programs, why is uh, black home ownership at a record low? I mean, Trump is never going to talk about that because the statistics are a bunch of bullshit. I mean, they were bullshit under Obama. Trump knew that. Trump called them out on the bullshit. It's just that now he doesn't want to admit that the statistics are meaningless, that all we've done under Trump is continue uh, the, the, the fraud that we had under, under Obama. In fact, when I was at Stephen Moore uh, and John Fund, Stephen Moore and John Fund had a workshop on Trumponomics and explaining how, how great the Trump economy is. And, you know, one, of the, one person actually asked a question. Uh, about debt and aren't you worried about about all this debt and you know of course you know you gotta be worried about the debt so he says well you know I guess I would like it if we didn't have all this debt but then again uh, Steve Moore said well but if you know if the world if people are willing to loan us all this money if people are willing to loan us money at such a low rate of interest you know we'd be foolish not to borrow it right we'd be foolish not to take it which is nonsense I mean it's like if somebody was offering you free heroin. I mean, are you supposed to take it just because it's free? Oh, I can't pass up all this free heroin. If people are trying to get you to do something bad, you don't do it. But I, you know, after uh, his talk was over, I went over to uh, Steve Moore uh, to remind him of something that he was overlooking. I said, hey, Steve, you know, you think it's so great that we're borrowing all this money, you know, at one, two percent or whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, it's real short term loans. You know, the loans are 90 days a year. What's going to happen when these bonds mature, right? We still owe the money, right? The bonds mature, but now the lenders don't want to loan it to us again at such a low rate. What if they say, you know what? If you want me to loan you the money again, I want 10%, right? What are we going to do then? What happens when interest rates rise? And he's like, well, oh, oh yeah, I guess, uh, I would, uh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, it is a ticking time bomb. We don't, we don't have long-term, we haven't locked it in for 30 years. You know, we are at the mercy of rising rates because the only way we can repay the money we've borrowed, right, is if we borrow more, right? That's why now we're having this talk again about the debt ceiling, right? And why do we need to raise the debt ceiling? So we can borrow more money, right? Because if we, why are we going to default on the debt if we can't borrow more money? Because we have to borrow more money to repay the money we've already borrowed. That's what we do. Right. Again, that's exactly what Bernie Madoff did. That's how you run a Ponzi scheme. You pay off the old investors by getting money from new investors. If we don't have new people, if we can't borrow money from new lenders, we can't pay back the money we owe existing lenders. That is the definition of a Ponzi scheme. But when you have the short term debt, you are in a very precarious situation. And I reminded Stephen Moore of a conversation I had with him at Freedom Fest before Trump was elected, when he assured me that one of the things Trump would do when he was elected was take advantage of the low interest rates by locking them in, by refinancing the national debt, you know, and do the opposite of what Obama did and what Bush did and what Clinton did, because Clinton started under Rubin, which was shortening the maturity on the debt, which was basically like putting our necks in a guillotine and handing the, the lever to our creditors. But he said Trump would end that. And I said, no way. And in fact, I asked him point blank. I said, what has happened to the maturity on the debt since Trump's become president? Has it gone up or has it gone down? And he had to admit that it's gone down, that, that Trump is actually borrowing more short term and not long term because they're trying to just keep the short term interest rates as low as possible to make 
uh, the interest payments as low as possible so the problem looks smaller than it really is. And I reminded to more that if Trump actually tried to borrow at the long end, it would push up long-term interest rates, which is something that they don't want to do. So to keep long-term interest rates artificially low, the government wants to just sell short-term bonds uh, rather than long-term bonds, because uh, that's also affecting the mortgage rates, which they're trying to keep down. But another thing that uh, Steve Moore did, again, with his you know false optimistic portrayal of the economy, is he had some charts. And of course, missing from his charts are all the charts that show how bad things are, right? So he's just trying to focus in on, on the good things to explain to the to the audience why the economy is so much better now than it was uh, under uh, under Obama, and he put a chart of jobs in manufacturing, and mining and construction, and there was a big drop down under Obama and a big move up uh, under Trump, and it was like a V. So like basically Trump had brought us back to where we were. Uh, where Obama dropped from. And he was like, just show this narrow window. And it says, look, we were losing all these jobs under Obama. And look, we've had all these job gains under Trump. And my son just pointed out, he said, you know, dad, if he had actually expanded that chart to not just show a couple of years, like the last year or two of Obama and the first couple of years of Trump, if he actually expanded it to show all of Obama and all of Trump, you would barely even notice the difference. And the reason for that is because the economy was headed into recession before Trump was elected. The economy was weakening. That's one of the reasons that Trump got so many votes from people who knew the economy was bad, yet politicians in Wall Street were trying to tell them that it was great. Trump said, that's all a lie. We have a stock market bubble. The real economy is lousy. The numbers are a fraud. Vote for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna drain the swamp. So we were losing jobs going into uh, at the tail end of the Obama administration, the economy was slowing. We were headed into recession. That's why the Fed hadn't raised rates at all. And that's why the Fed wasn't going to raise rates. If Trump hadn't won, we never would have had the second rate hike. The highest the Fed would have gotten was one, one and done. I would have been correct on that. And we would already be at zero. We'd already be doing QE. But because Trump won, we were able to blow more air in the bubble, right? We were able to get a bunch of tax cuts, run up the deficit. And one of the charts that Stephen Moore did show to show how great everything was, was all these confidence charts, small business confidence, right? Of course, small businesses are confident. They're Republicans. They're, they got tax cuts, right? And, and so they're happy about that. They're happy to get rid of Obama. They believe all the hype. Yeah, there's a lot of optimism out there. Unfortunately, it's unfounded. There's going to be a lot of disappointed people when it turns out that their optimism was misplaced that they just bought into a fantasy that never became reality. And that's going to be particularly problematic uh, in 2020, because if um, you know all this happens, if the recession starts, if the bear market starts before uh, the 2020 election, well, Trump has no chance. And as I said, whoever follows Trump is going to be much worse than was Obama following Bush. <music>